Open your Bibles, if you would, to the book of James. The book of James, where we continue in our study in this wonderful little book that we've been going through. We'll be in chapter 3, James chapter 3. And uh, the last message we had in this book was on the tongue, covered verses 3 to 6, where we saw three illustrations brought forth by our dear brother James. Uh, Number one, how a horse is reined in with just a bridle on a bit, how a large ship is steered by a small rudder, and how a spark can become a huge fire, can become a huge fire. Now remember the context that we looked at for this chapter. James is dealing with, or remember the context of the book itself. James has been dealing with how we are to be swift to hear, slow to anger, and um, slow to speak in chapter 1. And he also dealt with how faith without works is dead. And uh, in the works he discussed in no way justify us before God, because the only way that we're justified before God is in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, we looked at how those works justify us in the eyes of man. And in verses 1 and 2 of this chapter, James is dealing with those who are seeking standing in the church. Uh, Three weeks ago, we looked at that. People trying to seek standing in the church, trying to vault themselves over others. And then once they get in those positions, then they lord over people or they control the situations that they're in. And it ought never to be that way. The Lord raises up leaders within the church. And we leaders don't lord over God's people. No, we're right there with you. We're right there with you. There's no way, in no way does being a preacher make anyone better than anyone else or or being in any kind of leadership in the church make anyone else be better than anyone else. We're all the same. We're one in Christ. And we need to remember that. And we're not to lord over each other. And then in the context of that, He's speaking about the tongue. He's speaking about the tongue. And two weeks ago, he, James brought forth that he or she who can govern the tongue can govern the whole body. Now let's read verses 1 to 12. And we'll finish this portion in the chapter, if the Lord wills, on the tongue this week. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. The only one who was able to bridle his tongue was the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't sin in any way. He, He was sinless in his thoughts, sinless in his words, and sinless in his deeds. He was the only perfect man. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us. And we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, are driven of fierce winds. Yet they are turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beasts, and of birds, and of serpents, and of all things in the sea, 
is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue, look at this. The tongue can no man tame. No man, no woman can tame the tongue. It's our worst enemy, isn't it, in that sense? Oh my, it's an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we man, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeded blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not to be, ought not so to be. Doth the fountain bring forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, either a vine fig? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. So we see here in verses 7 and 8 that man has succeeded in taming beasts, birds, serpents, and even the fish of the sea. But the tongue, the, one of the smallest members of our body, no man, no woman can tame. Isn't that amazing? We can domesticate animals, but we can't control this little member in our mouth. Oh my. And this is brought forth in the scriptures here. This isn't just my opinion. This is the word of God telling us this. And we know, we know it's true. We know it in ourselves. Listen to what these two verses, listen to verse 7 and 8. I pulled out the Greek literal Bible and, and take note of what it says. And as I'm reading these, note, note the words, no one of man in verse 8, okay? So it starts off, verse 7, for every species of both of beasts and birds, both of creeping things and things of the sea, is subdued and has been subdued by the human race. Verse 8 is really interesting. It says here, but no one of man, no one of man, this is in the literal Greek, no one of man is able to subdue the tongue. No one. And people say, well, I got control of my tongue. You're lying. <laughs> no one. The scripture says no one of man is able to subdue the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. As I said earlier, the only one who was perfect was the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he could control his tongue. And, and we read some of the things he said to them Pharisees, eh? But that was all done with no sin, no you know, he, he, was, he was defending righteousness. The Lord hates the workers of iniquity. That's what the scripture said. You know, he's, he's angry with the wicked. And here was the Lord of glory, God incarnated in the flesh, and these people were telling him, they, they were saying that he was a false prophet, and he's God in the flesh. My, oh, my. So no man or woman can control the tongue. No man or woman can, can hold this tongue in check or stop its bitterness and evil. No one can tame the tongue. Like I say, we can tame animals. You know, we got dolphins that are tamed and, and, and uh, orcas. But we can't tame the tongue. One of the smallest members of our body. Birds can be tamed. Serpents, even you get those little Komodo dragons and everything, they can tame them things. Ferrets can be tamed. Animals can be tamed. But the tongue can no man tame. But you know what can tame the tongue? You know what can subdue the tongue? The grace of God. Grace of God can subdue the tongue. We're living proof of that, aren't we? 
What happens now when we say something that we used to say? It's like a stab, right? Oh, my. Why, am I, why did I say that? Why did I say that, Lord? We, uh, the grace of God has subdued our tongue. Not completely, though, right? Because we still, because that's our nature, right? But, but we are different people now, aren't we, in Christ? The grace of God can, can tame and subdue a tongue. It can make, do you, know, do you know the grace of God can make the instrument that we cannot tame, the grace of God can tame it so it sings praises to God. Isn't that incredible? The tongue that used to be full of bitterness and cursing is now full of praise to our great God. That's a miracle, isn't it? That's a miracle, beloved. It's absolutely incredible. It's absolutely incredible. When the grace of God acts in the heart, it will subdue the tongue. Grace slays the corruption, which uses the tongue as an outlet. So that old dead nature, right, we're born again by the Holy Spirit of God. We're born again. So now there's a new source from which the tongue speaks which the tongue praises God, right? The new nature within us. Grace quenches the flames of hate and jealousy which motivate the tongue. We're more prone to forgive people now than to, than to fan flames of hate and jealousy. Grace implants a new nature of love, right? The love of God shed abroad in our hearts. Grace does this which influences the tongue to speak in kindness, truth, and sincerity. All for what? For the glory of God. We used to speak for the glory of ourselves. Vicky and I were sitting in a restaurant this week and there was two religious fellows. One was a pastor at the local church in town here and the other guy was a visiting guy. And the visiting guy was telling the pastor about all that he does and who he works with. You know what word we heard a whole lot? I. 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 You know what we didn't hear? The Lord did that. Oh my. And and we were there. Vicky and I came out of that. So we you know, we're not looking down on them. We came up we came out of that, but you just notice that now. Who gets the glory? Well that man was taking all the glory, wasn't he? Yeah, taking all the glory. But we give glory to God now, don't we? We say the Lord saved us. And we're called strange for being that way, aren't we? For giving all the glory to God, people call us strange. Well, I'm going to just keep giving. They can call me whatever they want. I don't care. I'm just going to keep giving the glory to God. You too, right? Just keep giving Him all the glory. Just keep giving Him all the praise. Don't care what anyone says about us. We're just going to keep, we're going to give him all the glory for our salvation. He's the author and he's the finisher of our salvation. He's the alpha and he's the omega of our salvation. Praise his mighty name. That's what we're going to say. Hey, we're going to give him all the glory. We don't care what people say. Oh, and there's only one great power that can change that little member. And that's the power of God. That's the power of God. The grace of God in Christ. Only the grace of God in Christ can take this 
this instrument of evil in our natural state, right? And turn it into an instrument of good in praising our great God and our glorious God. He put a song in our hearts, hadn't he? We're new creatures in Christ now. We have new loves, new motivations. It's wonderful. Listen to this quote by John Calvin. It says, We must especially strive to restrain the tongue, for no part of man, no, no part of man does more harm. So even as believers, we, we pray that God restrain my tongue, don't we? Give me grace to restrain my tongue. Give me grace not, you know, sometimes in the past I've been in some meetings and, and things get a little, little hairy and I'm always praying, Lord, please give me grace. Give me grace to speak thy words. Give me grace not to react in the situation. And, and that's for all of us, isn't it? Praying for grace to restrain our tongues. Because you, know you know what we naturally want to do, eh? We know what we naturally want to say. We want to put that person in their place. But who's our defender? Amen, sister. Yeah. The Lord. The Lord's our defender. Who fights our battles? The Lord fights our battles, doesn't he? He goes before us and clears the way. And clears the way. Oh, my. So this little tongue, this little tongue can leave scars which no one can see. No one can see them but the receiver of those scars. You ever get a tongue lashing? You ever give a tongue lashing? <laughs> yeah. We've both been receivers and givers of those, haven't we? My, oh, my. No one likes that, eh? No one likes that. So that we who are the people of God pray to our great God that he would give us grace to restrain our tongue. To restrain our tongue. When we become angry, which we will, and we do, when we become angry with someone or when we become angry with a situation. Let us pray to God. Lord, please restrain my tongue. Don't, don't let me speak evil. Because that's in us. Eh? It is. I'll, I'll be the first to admit. And, and how do we know that? Well, just have somebody cut you off on the road. What's your instant reaction? I'm not even going to say it. <laughs> it's not fitting for me to say it. But boy, we get we get we flare up right away, don't we? Yeah, someone cut you off in the parking lot, or you ever have this? You're going, you're getting ready to go in the parking spot, and somebody zooms in the parking spot on you. Ah, right, boom, off we go. Right, we're we're all prone to this, so we're all prone to this little member just lashing out. And my prayer for me is, Lord, restrain my tongue, please. Please restrain my tongue. Because it's so easy. It's so easy for us to, to instantaneously say something without thinking, isn't it? Oh, my. Now let's read verse 9. It says here, With it being the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men, those being made according to the likeness of God. So our tongue, we see, is an instrument that's used in praising God. For all his mercies in Christ. And how do we do that? Well, we do that both in prayer 
We do that in fellowship, don't we? When we talk about our king. We do it when we sing a hymn, sing praise to our great God. I ask you, before you were saved, did your tongue sing praises to God from your heart? No. Maybe in lip service, right? But it wasn't from here. Now it's from here, isn't it? Now we praise God from the heart. In our lips, you see, the source has changed. We have a new heart now that hungers and thirsts after righteousness. We're new creatures in Christ. Do you see the great work God's done? See, even through this exhortation that, that all of us, are, we, we feel so guilty. And yet there's wonder and awe within this that we even praise God. Now we praise, now we bless the Lord when we never did before. It's wonderful. And this tongue which was once full of cursing, my tongue which was once full of cursing and bitterness is now used to praise God. I, I, I'm just in awe. I told Vicky, if you had told me when I was in my 20s that I'd be a preacher and that I'd be worshiping the, the Lord Jesus Christ and giving him all the glory, I'd have laughed to the scorn. But I'm not in charge, am I? Left to ourselves, think of this too, left to ourselves, we'd, we would just be still in the pit of iniquity we were in. God rescued us, beloved. He rescued us. He's turned this lip, this tongue that used to curse to praise. To praise him. The tongue of the believer in Christ now is used to thank God. We thank God for the food we have. We thank God for the, the life we have. We thank God that we're able to come and listen to the gospel. We thank God for ears to hear right, and eyes to see him. We thank God for that he had mercy on us, worms such as us, that he had mercy on us, that he even thought of us as little wee pieces. Of th- when you think of this whole creation and all the stars and all the universe and how big are we compared to all that, we're, we're just like a, a speck that you look under a microscope at. And yet he said mercy on us. So we praise God for that, don't we? We give him all the glory. It's wondrous. So we worship the Lord. And then we join in other born again, we join with other born again believers in worshiping God too. Their tongues have been turned to praise too. And we wonder in awe of what God has done amongst us. Don't we? It's, when I see you guys, you are trophies of God's grace. When I preach to you, you're trophies of God's grace. It's amazing. It's absolutely incredible. My, oh, my. So now we praise God for all his attributes, his holiness, his righteousness. We didn't know anything about that stuff before. Now we, he's given us an understanding. And we worship with other believers. We worship the one who's redeemed us with his precious blood who purchased our eternal souls. He obtained eternal redemption for us. How? By dying in our room and place. It's amazing. And he did it willingly. 
And we'll find out the source of that in the main message. You know why he, you know why he, he did that? Because he loves us freely. That's amazing, isn't it? He loves us freely. So we see in this verse here in verse 9, the tongue is also an instrument used to criticize and curse and slander and speak harshly and hurtfully to men and women who were made by God's image. Look at this. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men, those being made according to the likeness of God. My, oh, my. The similitude of God. It says, therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith bless... Curse we men, which are made after the sin result of the fact that we're born again by a miracle of grace. Look at this. With it, we bless our Lord and Father. The only reason we do that is because we're born again. Because God has done a mighty work. And then, as far as using our tongue to curse, criticize, slander, and speak harshly and hurtfully, That comes naturally. So one part is what God's, the the, the reason for us praising God is our regeneration, that we're born again. The reason for us cursing and slandering man is because of our natural state, our flesh. And we still battle with that, don't we? That's why Spurgeon said our own worst enemy, he said his own worst enemy was himself. He's talking about his flesh. His own worst enemy. So that stuff comes naturally. To curse, criticize, slander, speak harshly and hurtfully to man. That comes naturally for us. It comes from the flesh. And it can rear its ugly head just like that, can it? So fast. So fast. Even for we who are believers, so fast. And if one can says, no, no, it's not that way with me. Again, I ask you, what happens when some cross, someone crosses your way? What happens when someone does you wrong? Well, sometimes we don't always show it, but we can be really angry inside. Donnie Bell said, he said, I could sit in my my easy chair and think the worst things the worst things and no one even knows it true isn't it true of all of us my oh my my oh my so look at verse 10 now out of the same mouth proceeds forth blessing and cursing my brothers these things ought not to be so so some by the grace of God use their tongues to bless God And some whose tongues are untamed by grace use their tongues to curse others and speak unkindly. And unfortunately, there are some that try to do both. With the same tongue, they bless God and talk religion and profess holiness while they also curse, criticize, and speak evil of another. They're always finding fault with people. And remember, remember the context of this. So the context of this is these people lording over God's people. These people controlling God's people, seeking standing within the church to control the church. And out of their mouth comes both praise and, and bitterness, criticism. 
right? Slander. My oh my. So James brings forth that this is a contradiction. This is a contradiction. Turn, if you would, to Psalm 50. Psalm 50. We have here a vivid picture of the wicked and what God says to them. Psalm 50, verses 16 to 23. But unto the wicked God saith, What hast thou to do to declare my statutes? Or what that thou shouldest take my covenant in thy mouth? Seeing thou hatest instruction. Can't teach them. These people are unteachable. That's our natural state, isn't it? We don't want nothing to do with God in our natural state. See, that's why there's no difference between us and the wicked, but the grace of God. It's he who has made us to differ. And castes my words behind thee. They don't even care for the words of God. They don't want to hear them. When thou sawest a thief, and thou consentest with him, and hast been partaker with adulterers, thou gavest thy mouth to evil, and thy tongue frameth deceit. Their lives, they frame deceits. Thou sittest and speaketh against thy brother. Thou slanderest thine own mother's son. These things hast thou done. And I kept silence. Thou thoughtest that I was altogether such an one as thyself. See, people think God's like us. Look what he says here. But I will reprove thee. And set them in order before thine eyes. Now consider this. Ye that forget God, lest I tear you in pieces. Look at that. And there be none to deliver. That's a chilling verse, isn't it? No one will deliver. No sinner will be delivered from the wrath of God except through Christ. No one. The only way to be delivered, to be rescued from the wrath of God is in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. Look what it says here. Whosoever offereth praise glorifieth me. And to him that ordereth his conversation aright will I show the salvation of God. That, that ties, verse 23 ties right into what we're looking at. We glorify God now, don't we? Our tongues have been, been our hearts have been changed, therefore our tongues now praise God. Praise him. And it's all according to his order. It's all according to his will. Now that we've got a glimpse of who God is. But the context is so very important. That's why I keep stressing the context. The context is speaking of people who seek standing in the church and seek to lord over God's people. And with one mouth they praise God and with one mouth, side of their mouth they criticize God or, or criticize man. Criticize their supposed brothers and sisters in Christ. Always fault finding. And these things ought not to be so. So to fix this thought, the apostle shows that contrary effects 
from the same cause are not to be found in nature. Look at verses 11 and 12. Doth the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? There used to be a spring when we were driving up north in Canada, and we always pulled over and took our bottles with it because it was one of those natural springs that came out of the rocks. And we'd all fill our bottles, our water bottles up. And eventually the, the, the county put in a little tap thing so people could turn it on and off. And I'll tell you what, you get some of that water, it was some of the sweetest water you'd ever want to taste. You probably have some of that stuff down in West Virginia, right? Springs that just come out. And you start, you, you drink that water. Oh my gosh, it's so, oh, it just, it, it tastes amazing. So here he's bringing us, he's bringing us, even nature teaches us that it can't be so. That the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter. No, that water is really sweet. And then you can get another one that just sends forth bitter water. They, I, I think of salt water and, and fresh water. So if you have a spring with salt water and the water's coming, that, that's going to have that, that bitter salt water taste that we can't even drink. You get fresh water, like a spring. Oh, my. It's so sweet. But they can't, that, that fresh water can't bring forth the bitter water, you see? And neither can the bitter water bring forth fresh water because it comes from the spring. It comes from the source. Again, the source in us now is to praise God, to worship our great God and King. And then it says in verse 12, Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear, bear olive berries, either vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Again, so it can't be a mixed well. It can't be a mixed source. It'll either be one or the other. A fig tree will bear figs, and an olive tree will bear olives. A vine will, will bring forth grapes. So these illustrations in verse 11 and 12 are given to us to show how ridiculous and absurd it is to think that a man may truly praise God and at the same tongue lie, curse, and blasphemy. Man. Turn, if you would, to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. We'll look at verses 14 to 23, where again we see that the words we speak spring from our hearts, beloved. We can get a better understanding, I believe, of these two illustrations that James is bringing forth with what, what our master says here. Mark chapter 7, verses 14 to 23. And when he had called all the people unto him, he said unto them, Hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand. There is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him. Now look at that. I heard some people say, uh, I heard some people say, if you get that vaccine, you get the mark of the beast. Well, the, this scripture just destroys that, doesn't it? It's not what comes from without a man that defiles a man. And you, another, another side note on that, because there's so much foolishness on that. We're already marked as God's people. <laughs> We're, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That means to be marked in the Greek. I love it. I love, I love how the scripture does away with foolishness. Does away with foolishness. So, there is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him. But the things which come out of him, 
Those are they that defile the man. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. Oh my, let him hear this. When he was entered into the house from the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. And he saith unto them, Are ye so without understanding also? And that's us, right? We're without understanding. Unless God reveals to us the truth of the Scriptures, we're, we're just like these disciples. What do you just say, Lord? I don't understand. <laughs> that's how we are. Do you not perceive that whatsoever thing from without entereth into the man, it cannot defile him? Look how clear that is. Look how clear that is. Because it entereth not into his heart, but into the belly, and goeth out into the drought, purging all meats. So it goes in the body, and it goes out the body. And he said, that which cometh out of a man defileth the man. Look at that. That which comes from the source. Right? For from within, out of our heart of man, proceeds evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, theft, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. Look at that. Comes from the fountain. Comes from the source. That which we speak comes from the source. No, a fountain cannot yield both fresh and bitter water at the same time, or a fig tree can't bear olives. And again, this is speaking in context of lording over God's people. So one who, one who praises God and is so critical to God's people and other people, James is bringing into doubt some things here, isn't he? A truly spiritual person cannot send forth contradictions, either in words or his actions. There's a story that I like this little story Jack Shanks brings forth. I've been using some of Jack Shanks' studies for our study here, and it's just been a wealth of, uh, wealth of uh, study information. But he brings forth this story about a little boy, boy who's a Boy Scout, and he brings home a school report that was disappointing to his mom and his dad. And it indicated that he was below average. However, his teacher added these words, Jim works hard and shows such promise. He works hard and he shows such promise. And Jack said, more of us should speak encouraging words such as these. Listen to these words in Isaiah. This is one of them verses I never saw before. (laughs) Listen to this, though, in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 6. They helped everyone his neighbor, and everyone said to his brother, be of good courage. That's what we should say to one another. Be of good courage, brother. Be of good courage, sister. Our Lord reigns. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we are the people of God are already convicted when we read these words. We we are. But all let us marvel at what what a great change God has done in us. The tongue that once cursed is now used to praise. Praise our great and glorious God. And that's all done by the power and might of God. And you know, it's easy to speak discouraging words. It's easy for us to complain. It comes naturally for us, no matter what the situation is. But we need to just sit and wait upon the Lord, don't we? 
We just need to sit and wait upon him. Rest in him in all circumstances. And remember who we wait upon. We wait upon the absolute, all-powerful, sovereign God. And with him, he can do all things, can he? If he pleases to do them. Oh my. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your...